Welcome to a University of Bath IPR policy podcast. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to today's webinar hosted by the University of Bath Centre for Governance, Regulation and Industrial Strategy and the Institute for Policy Research, the IPR. Thank you for joining us online. I am Phil Tomlinson and I'm Professor of Industrial Strategy at the University of Bath. And today I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Leslie Budd. Leslie had just been promoted to full professor of regional economy at the Open University Business School. He has published extensively on urban and regional economies in relation to the European Union, digital and social inclusion, and global and financial markets. Previously, he was a special economic advisor to the Committee for Enterprise, Trade and Investment at the Northern Ireland Assembly, providing briefings, and in particular, the first one on the impact of Brexit in Northern Ireland on corporation tax changes in foreign direct investment and cross-border cooperation, among others. He was also the former chair of the Regional Studies Association, and he is currently the chair of the Urban and Regional Economics Seminar Group. Today, Leslie joins us to discuss the European Space Agency's European Exploration Envelope Programme, E3P, and the prospect of Space 4.0 in transforming Europe's regions and their economic governance. Thank you all again for joining us and I'll now kick off today's webinar by handing over to Professor Leslie Budd. Thanks Phil and also can I thank Sophie for organising um, this presentation. Well it's a personal and professional pleasure to give this presentation. My brother and nephew gradu graduated as post and undergraduates at the University of Bath and the former Pro-Vice-Chancellor Ian Jameson taught me sociology as an undergraduate. Professionally, it's also a pleasure as I contributed to Phil Tomlinson and Felicia Ray's excellent report on industrial strategy for the center of uh, and the Institute. This presentation builds on a paper submitted to regional studies. Uh, it's a special issue on industry 4.0 disrupting regions. But in particular, builds on the expertise we've developed at the Open University for the European Space Agency project, evaluating the socioeconomic benefits of space exploration undertaken with space scientists at the Open University, for which I'm grateful because I've actually learned a lot. The, the space industry has become increasingly important across the globe, but also in Europe. And the European Space Agency itself, which is not an EU body, has contributed significantly to the benefits of space activities, particularly through the International Space Station collaboration. So it's based on old and new technologies, but a lot of the scientific um, experiments that have occurred on the International Space Station have brought major benefits, particularly in health, environmental monitoring and sustainability. Now, the international cooperation of, is, is between the Russian, Japanese, European and US um, space agencies. And the demonstration effect of the ISS in generating socioeconomic benefits creates an environment for the European Union, in particular the Commission's Space 4.0 and ESA's Space 4.0i strategies. So we, in order to examine these issues, we do look at the project that um, we were funded by, for by the European Space Agency on E3P. Move, so I move on to the next slide. This is just an overview of the principles of Industry 4.0. It was uh, created by Lisa de Propris at the University of Birmingham in her 2017 paper. And we can actually see that this would also map onto the space industry and the space uh, economy. Local supply chains, which also now go to outer space, uh, new business models, increasingly personalized flexible customization, but new technologies, new production spaces, and um, 
sustainability at its core. Now, if we look at the basics of Industry 4.0 for developing Space 4.0, uh, we define Industry 4.0 there as a trend towards automation, data exchange, etc. Uh, and it's got four elements and the design principles of Industry 4.0 co correlate to regionally based industrial policies. And increasingly, if you look at the regions of Europe, you see major centres of space activities, space industry, the launch industry and the satellite industry. So Yeovil, you could actually say is a, a space town. You've got Bristol, you've got Airbus at uh, Stevenage. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting and overlooked, particularly in the debates about Brexit, of the contribution of the space sector in the UK to industrial strategy, but also more broadly through the UK Space Agency. So, but it is a more challenging environment. We've got Donald Trump's ideas about Space Force and America First, and actually tearing up international treaties about space law and governments, particularly who owns space. Geopolitical and nationalist impulses. So the, for example, the Chinese space mission to the dark side of the moon. Elon Musk's SpaceX rockets replacing the Russian Oyuz rocket launchers, which were launched from Kazakhstan. And they actually are a major source of env environmental damage, uh, whereas the SpaceX is, is using much more efficient fuels. So that's addressed, that change has addressed one of the challenges uh, for the space, for the space programs about complying with sustainable development goals. One of the other challenges is that the European Union is, is seeking to establish its own space agency as a potential challenger to ESA and just leave ESA to the science. Well, we return to that later. Now, if you look at the historical context of the trajectory of Industry 4.0, we can match the, the four industrial revolutions against the concept of globalization unbundlings created by Richard Baldwin international trade economist uh, in his two books, The Great Convergence, Information Technology and the New Globalization of 2016, and The glo globalonic, glo I can't say that, Globotics, Upheaval, Globalization, Robotics and the Future of Work. And particularly the latter um, is important in the way in which robotics is increasing, human robotic interaction is increasingly being used in space missions particularly lunar ones and future Mars ones. Now the space economy, there's a definition there, which um, is becoming important for socioeconomic development in many countries, not just in the major regions of East Asia, the US and Europe. Uh, Elon Musk is, has been building lithium ion battery farms to generate electricity for 10,000 homes in South Australia. Uh, a lot of the benefits of lithium ion batteries for electric vehicles, but also alternative sources of energy have actually been strengthened by the experiments taken on board the ISS, but also on the moon by the Chinese who are treating lithium ion batteries to extend their lives. Because people may not know that you have two week nights um, on the moon and the, lith the lithium batteries don't have enough life, but treating them with hydrogen extends that. So there's those kind of activities. They're also creating a space agency in South Australia to promote the space economy linked to sustainable energy and mining. You've also got, again, arising out of uh, International Space Agency experiments, global te telemedicine, health-related benefits, particularly osteoporosis, new alloys and materials that are both technologically efficient and environmentally efficient, and that comes from microgravity, and sustainable energy environmental mo monitoring, which has helped manage some of the impacts of climate change back on Earth. And finally, space mining and architecture for lunar missions, although 
there is a fantasy that somehow lots of stuff's going to be dug up on the moon and then shipped to the earth, which is actually uh, sci-fi fantasy. It's about recycling um, for activities on the moon. If you look at the size of the space uh, global economy in 2019, this is, gives just an overview of its size and uh, growth. And the satellite industry takes a, about 77% of the space economy. Now, 360 billion is not a lot. I mean, when you think that UK economies in one year is um, about $2.5 trillion. But the multiplier effects of these activities are significant. And they also generate um, qualitative measures of, of socioeconomic benefits. So this, and it has generated significant growth in private commercial applications of satellites that have been underpinned by funding of public space agencies, but also value added and, and multipliers do vary across countries and activities. Again, um, maybe of news to some people, but Glasgow now is the largest producer of satellites, less than 250 grams weight um, in Europe. And you've got the increasing uh, simulation of vertical spaceports in Europe. And the growth of non-US launch industry can be seen in the next slide. So the, the middle diagram is, um, shows the increasing growth of non-US launch industry uh, for many countries. And many countries seen this a way of actually uh, increasing economic development as a, as a result of uh, space activities. Um, and the two major components are the satellite manufacturing and the launch industry. Um, I hope people are concentrating on the slides and not me. Uh, my cat has joined us because he think, she thinks you're a friendly audience. So do forgive the tail waving across the screen. In the next slide, we see space 4.0 as the drive of the European space economy. And his explicit recognition is a significant contributor to Industry 4.0 in the EU for its key stakeholders and regions. And this is a definition of the uh, communication of 2016 uh, by the Commission. Um, for the Council, the Economic, Social and Economic Committee, and the Committee of the Regions. So this is a space strategy that's both, if you like, functional in terms of industrial strategy, but it's regional and local distribution and its impacts. And that is, that is to be welcomed. And actually, if you look at the UK Space Agency, there is a study on the website by London Economics for the UK Space Agency about developing a space industrial strategy in the UK. Alongside that, the um, European Space Agency in 2016, its ministerial council, uh, developed Space 4.0 for United Space Europe, uh, United Space in Europe, sorry. Now, what the ministerials do is every five years, they set out the funding of space missions for the exploration programs and missions. The strap line for 2016, as I said, is United Space in Europe. And now it's Space 19 Plus uh, for the 2019 um, ministerial meeting that set out the increase increase funding for space in, in uh, for the European member ESA member states but the key question is what is the differentiation between the EC space 4.0 and the ESA's space 4.0 I potential conflict uh, between the EU and ESA in pursuing industry 4.0 strategies for space Now, these four elements for the Industry 4.0, technological adaption, and systems, smart systems, they derive from upstream base activities. And I'll give examples there of driverless cars, vehicles, et cetera, et cetera, transform the urban and regional spatial structures and form in the medium term in many regions. Gave the example of Elon Musk and also the, the hydrogen treatment of electric vehicles. 
And also those four elements structure a lot of the downstream benefits by function and region city. And again, the example of smart specialization, innovation strategies, and smart cities, of which Milton Keynes, which is home to the Open University, has one with its delivery vehicles um, and localized electric uh, um, on-road transport. Now, ESA's 4.0 industrial strategy has the standard slogans of innovates, informs, inspires, and interact. And one can be cynical about that, um, skeptical, but they do relate to the, the main ESA European Space Programs, Coper Copernicus, which is the Earth Observation Program, the e EGNS NOS um, overlay navigation system, regionally based global navigation systems, and Galileo, and Galileo 2, which is Europe's global navigation system. Now, but the implications for, there are profound implications for ESA and EU interaction with regard to space programs, um, because it's a complicated uh, situation. The implications of Brexit for Copernicus contracts and the GPS have not been well understood in the UK, either by the UK government or um, GPS. To get contracts for Copernicus and for the GPS, you have to be a member state. When the UK, as a, as a, um, as a non-member state, but a third nation, you can apply for some of the subcontracts but the European, the UK Space Agency has been excluded from bidding for Copernicus contracts as contractors and then subcontracting them for companies in the UK. So that's a, that has profound implications for industrial strategy in the UK, particularly in regard to space. We've seen it with, um, with, air, with automotive but it's been, a bit, been overlooked a bit for aeronautics, but in particularly space has been completely ignored. And again, this is quite important for people, um, companies like Leonardo, uh, who are in Yeovil or Airbus in Stevenage, and for their local, their local urban and larger regional economies. So if we now turn to the ESA's European Exploration Envelope Programme, three as the building blocks of taking forward their industrial strategy, Space 4.0i. There are four benefit categories, science, economic growth and competitiveness, global challenges, sustainable development goals, and inspiration. Inspiration is usually about education, uh, younger generation, and so on and so forth. There's a very good report called Principia that was written by the UK Space Agency um, about, I forget his surname, Tim, uh, the British astronaut who was on ISS. And actually that created a multiplier for, for treasury funding about the order of four, but it also encouraged uh, younger people to study STEM subjects, particularly uh, young females and also in universities there's a very important Athena Swan program to encourage that so there's there's been socioeconomic benefits which are both if you like functional but also locally but those benefit categories also generate direct and indirect benefits now these this is just uh, an overview of um, kind of direct benefits you get from those four categories and you can see societal inspiration for space flight um, European identity with regard to space but greater collaboration strengthened international space explorations but things like um, but also culture uh, and other kind of associated activities there's been a lot of uh, space activities to do with culture and symbolic events, but I come on to that. Now, the pro the bid that we were successful in getting was two phases from the European Space Agency. And my space scientist colleagues are great at actually coming up with um, 
acronyms. And my colleague Manish Patel wanted at the Ministerial Council of 2019 for the ministers of the member states to talk about beers, because we call it benefits of ESA explanation roadmap in socioeconomics. And our latest venture is called Spear and Seabass, but I'll, I'll explain that at the end. But the point about this was it's cross-faculty between my faculty of business and law and STEM, funded by ESA to evaluate the socioeconomic benefits. The structure of the four benefit um, categories and a fourfold methodology to produce an impact evaluation framework was the objective of the project, which has been challenging, um, but we've, we've actually got ESA to think in a much more multidisciplinary way about the benefits of science exploration in general. It's not just the science, but has quite profound implications and benefits for economy and society. Now, the evaluation method methodology was uh, made up of four elements. Firstly, input-output analysis that was used to estimate multipliers for um, gross domestic product, employment, and, and uh, fiscal revenues and costs that came from the funding of E3P. And actually, our results were slightly more... Um, positive than some other multipliers, of which, of course, ESA was happy about. But I, I would argue that our analysis was much more stringent than others. You do get consultants who come up with multipliers of uh, 14, but you don't really get much beyond um, three. So it's in, 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 a, in a range of about 2.5 to 2.8, at least in GDP. We then use logic models. Um, which is a standard method for evaluation to link inputs, outputs and outcomes over the short, medium term using certain assumptions. And that provides you as a kind of critical path analysis of, of where and entering the, the four cornerstones of the E3P programme. And finally, to try and estimate some of the um, qualitative measures of socioeconomic benefits, we used um, a set of capitals, which are community resources, which are generated by the E3P <clears throat> program. And this, these, these are based on the French anthropologist and sociologist Pierre Bourdieu's economic capitals. And being used increasingly in evaluation projects, we did one at the Open University electronic government for you for the European Union 10 years ago and we've tended to use this project again and recently Greater Manchester has actually used capitals to uh, evaluate its health and social care strategy that it's, ta it's taken on as part of devolution and finally we had data collection methods to show summary impacts this was very useful for using showing graphically the results of the input output um, modeling that were actually was published in the space 19 plus strategy that uh, was written after the 2019 ministerial uh, meeting that's not a public document yet but one of our recommendations to ESA in future is they need to be more transparent more open and more public particularly those kind of documents and again what i just linked there is the the four categories to the fight to the appropriate financial uh, capitals and then to the ISS continuation and future low earth orbit programs, the below earth orbit, sorry, beyond earth orbit, so between the earth and the moon, say, which is cornerstone one of E3P, early, early robotics on lunar, cornerstone three, and human unit exploration which is cornerstone three, sorry, and then Mars sample return and ExoMars, which is uh, starting next year, which is Cornerstone 4. And if we look at the, actually, uh, this slide has moved a bit too much, but I'll, um, I'll, come, I'll come back to it. But this just shows some of the potential conflict between ESA and the EC may under, undermine these. So they have different focuses. Um, different objectives and budget arrangements. So 
uh, and the EU space agency would just be EU member states. It would exclude the, um, it would exclude the UK, Switzerland, Albania, and Canada, which is an associate member. And then you've got procurement, and that's one of the problems about the ESA procurement is it, it has been rather bureaucratic and top down and contract. And some of the information and the data has been rather opaque. But again, here's an overview of the International Space Station benefits, um, inspiration, culture through Twitter, YouTube, uh, communities, you know, social media, competitive industry, the linkages which we've demonstrated through the multiplier effects. You know, um, so many researchers, links between universities and space agencies, particularly the development of what I call space city regions, which we want to explore in future. And there we've got for every one euro, turn between two and three euros are generated. If we include innovation spillovers from space activities, it's about the order of four, but that's, that's more uncertain. But uh, one of the important things about this is we've taken a broader and deeper view in beers about these kind of activities. Now, what I've done that in that slide is an example of our work of a value chain from the electromagnetic levitation experiment aboard the ISS. And there's four, there's three experiments at the EML. The outputs are metal alloys, weightlessness impact on various metals, um, non-metal activities. And the applications, as you can see, are a range of technological, but also environmental benefits in the applications. And <clears throat> the technological externalities <coughs> have been high quality materials, new materials, um, and it's increased nuclear thermal propulsion. And I'll come back to that because that sends up red flags for some people about sustainability. But for example, I did a calculation that the, that the EML experiments have led to a 30% to 50% drop in weight of the materials used in um, blades for air engines. So if you use the European emissions trading system, numbers per tonne of carbon saved uh, and counting the number of London New York um, flights that the, the adoption of these new turbines you're actually talking about a significant number I haven't got it to hand and also at the moment it's commercially sensitive but we've also linked this to um, <clears throat> uh, we've linked this to environmental benefits when it comes to nuclear thermal propulsion, one of the materials they've found on the, the moon is um, can actually help cold fusion for nuclear power, which also limits some of the environmental damage and in terms of, of waste. And this is something, again, the Chinese are looking at on the dark side of the moon to power um, their space stations there when the solar panels don't have enough capacity, aside from what I said earlier about hydrogen. Now, we come in here to uh, international cooperation and the way in which we've seen on ISS, it could be argued there was a, a networked organization of which there's significant learning effects. So you could also say it was a learning organization as it's proceeded for the participants. Uh, following on from Peter Senger's work, but it also gives an advantage to new participants in ISS activities because there's these learning effects. Um, so Orion is the successor uh, mission to the Apollo lunar missions and it provides propulsion, but the European service module, which orbits the moon, um, and lands can land astronauts or robotics on uh, the moon. It provides power, water, oxygen, nitrogen, keeping the spacecraft the right temperature, etc. It's built by a consortium managed by Airbus in Bremen across 10 European countries <clears throat> in three phases. Now, as a propulsive industry, if you know your Schumpeter, uh, 
in city regions. It creates agglomeration economies and links universities to localized space industries. And if you think of the three big space cities in Europe, Bremen, Torino and Toulouse, <coughs> they all had histories um, in shipbuilding, aeronautics and now space. And Airbus in Toulouse has its own learning university and has a strategy of Toulouse space city region. So I think in terms of uh, regional regional economists, uh, regional development activities, people who engage in regional innovation, this is important contribution. And also uh, using industry 4.0 discourse and conceptual framework and practice as a means of consolidating this, but making a, a, a significant contribution to the socioeconomic benefits for all of us, for all citizens. And again, just on the aside the money, the ESA budget for the next five years is the equivalent of one person in all the ESA member states going to the cinema once a week, the cost of that. It's very low, but does generate significant issues. There's always arguments about <clears throat> opportunity costs, but if you did a decision tree from particularly ISS experiments down to electric vehicles and smart city regions, um, you, you can actually see that along that value chain, the kind of how the multipliers increase. Now this slide is just um, a slide of the distribution of funding of 250 million euros for the consortia uh, for ESM, Orion ESM. As I said, it's, and I've listed there not only the companies, but also the places where they are located. So again, this is becoming important uh, propulsive industry. And you've got the two major players, uh, Airbus, that's French, German, <coughs> Spanish, UK, <coughs> and Thales, which is uh, Italian, but is, is based um, in Turin. And again, it reinforces this idea of space city regions through these kind of consortia. And again, the consortia, as people add to it, have significant learning effects. Now, I showed earlier the two, um, the two issues for the space agency. EU space policies to maximize the benefits, globally competitive, innovative space sector, <clears throat> autonomy and accessing using space and secure safe environment. But I think um, that's a defensive move because as we've seen you need international cooperation and strengthen Europe's role as a global actor. Well, ESA have been doing that. So there's potential conflict between the two roles. We then go to um, the next slide. EC priorities, efficiency, regions, crisis, protect, optimize transport, um, international space station. Well, that again, that's ESA Orion. So for 4.0, that's where you can see 4.0 and 4.0i merging. So personally, I don't understand the ambitions of a number of the uh, commissioners for their own space agency when you've got one but you could find better means of um, organizing the cooperation between the EU and ESA. And sometimes, you know, they're the same. And I've put that slide up about the uh, potential conflict. So in conclu conclusion, and I am on time, Phil, <clears throat> we can see that uh, the fourth industrial revolution application to um, is important for the space economy, sector and industry. Artificial intelligence in set of things uh, are being demonstrated uh, abroad ISS. We will, will see increasingly that with the new lunar missions, space architecture and space visions, and then the um, new set of uh, missions for ExoMars and Mars sample return the robotics. Space has become an increasingly propulsive and disruptive agency of economic development, particularly at the regional level. Um, these activities have been crucial 
to developing that space industry and for the national space agencies we're seeing a lot of developments of space sports particularly in scotland in the uk but other smaller member states of ESA and the EU um, as a means of creating disruptive benefits for the regions using industrial 4.0 strategies. Um, and the four cornerstone missions have created conditions for the space sector reinforcing that development. So potential socio-economic developments of space economy may be disruptive within Europe as International Space Agency uh, comes under threat but clearly also Brexit um, and, and obviously space at the moment is starting to make some contributions to resolving some of the um, challenges of COVID-19 because of the experience of the health benefits that have been created. Thank you. Thank you, Les. Um, that was very fascinating. Um, very important um, how, you, how you've outlined the, the space economy and the, European the activities of the European Space Agency. We now have um, about 20 minutes for some questions uh, um, and some feedback. Um, and I've had a couple through already. Um, first of all, a, a query from Adam. I just wanted to, to know if you can just clarify the name of the French economist you mentioned with the capitals. He's not an economist. Pierre Bourdieu. Yeah, border. Okay. Yeah, he's an anthropologist and sociologist. Um, anyway, I, I yeah. So, <coughs> Bourdieu is very famous. Okay, thank you. Um, and we've got a question from Ryukara Bazzotto from Bath. Um, what would be the main implications of the pandemic for Space 4.0, its value chain, and its development? God, that's that's. $64,000 question. One of the issues will obviously be um, the, so for example, the space agencies themselves, they're working at home. So that close cooperation. Uh, the OU, we're only just opening up our space <coughs> laboratories. So that slowed down some of the development. Um, the implications as well is how do you avoid um, COVID-19 on ISS for other missions amongst the astronauts, given their, um, given the challenges of working closely together on, on um, space, um, space experiments. But the other issue which people don't know, it can take up to four years for astronauts to recover from <clears throat> being on ISS because its impact on bone wastage and muscle so that could complicate things in the post-recovery from orbiting. <coughs> but the one thing they're trying to do is through telemedicine and a number of the experiments they've been able to do under microgravity that could be applied to developing antibodies and vaccines. So it's important, but there will clearly be some disruption as there is elsewhere. But that's my guess at this stage because uh, I, as a non-clinician, I try and avoid COVID-19, but I think as an economist, we have to take notice of it. Okay, thank you, Les. I've got another one from, I think it's Jotney um, Banks, Benson. Many thanks for the presentation. Um, I was wondering how Bergen, uh, Norway was on your map when most space activities are derived from Oslo. What, where is the source of the information? Um, the source of information is ESA itself. It's a particular company in Bergen. Um, and actually, if RSA publish our special issue, hint, hint, it, it, the details will be in it. So it, it's, it's a startup. And what's interesting is that in places, you know, suddenly a lot of these small places, companies are starting up. They're getting linked to um, these big consortia. Um, and they're getting the benefits of the learning, you know, learning experience, learning effects, learning outcomes, as we say in universities. And that linkages has had important impact on those small towns. Okay, getting a number of questions about the slide, just to um, um, let people know that um, at the end of today's session, we will share the slides. They'll be in a PDF version and we will um, email them out to all the attendees.
Um, a question from Richard Lundell. Um, thanks, Les. Is there any evidence from your projects or others of the relative performance of the new privatised space actors like SpaceX and their state-owned counterparts, and how well do, are they collaborating? Well, SpaceX is being subsidised by NASA, so where there's, where there's particular favourites. Um, there's a lot of evidence, so the major contractors for ESA are Airbus, Thales, Alenia, Leonardo, it's mainly Franco-Italian and they're German um, uh, plants. Um, the, 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 there's a lot of commercial applications um, where private companies are buying space. NASA has been better at this than ESA, but there's, there's growing evidence. The, the, the concern is, uh, and again, as Richard will know, this is a, a colleague, space governance and law, of which we're growing expertise in the faculty, is becoming increasingly important in these kind of agreements. So that's something we would look at. I mean, particularly we're looking at our next project for SPEAR, which is on Spaceport Scotland, <clears throat> about um, Virgin uh, and their um, vertical takeoff aircraft for space tourism. Because again, there's a lot of subsidy for speculative activities. And I'm not sure about you know, space tourism for the super wealthy is something that we should be public, publicly funding. Um, so that is something um, we've looked at. But under the organizational capital category, we're, we're also saying to ESA, one of our recommendations when we're meeting them next week, is to be more transparent and be more accountable about how they spend the money, who to and when, and what the results are um, in order to reinforce their legitimacy. Otherwise, they will get rolled over by the EU. But again, um, when, well, I'm always happy to discuss that with Richard and also particularly some of the environmental benefits because ESA has a permanent officer um, uh, for the achieving the so, um, sustainable development goals. But it's also, again, something he works on. The development goals in encouraging small new enterprises in uh, the space economy. Okay, another comment from uh, Jotney um, about about Norway. Um, maybe you look at you can now look at the new Sen Sen SS State Center just established outside Oslo. So that's C E N S S S Center just yeah. established outside Oslo for more data. Well, yeah, um, but this is particular data for the ESM project. But that, thank you for that, and I will look at it. Um, I'm finding increasingly that. Um, I mean, my friends like um, Bill increasingly call me a space cadet, but I'm increasingly getting linked into the Mars Society um, and uh, Space Foundation and Blue Planet Foundation, um, and it's a useful source. So she wants to, but anyone who wants to connect with me on LinkedIn um, from this presentation, I'm happy to do it. And I'm also be great, I'm grateful for any links they can give me. Okay. Um, I'm, an, I'm an apprentice in this. I've learned a lot in the last two years um, and I've learned a lot about space science. Um, but I'm not, a, I'm not a scientist, although I did start my career in engineering. So. Okay, just waiting for some more questions to come. I, I've actually got one, Les. Obviously, I noticed on slide 21, the UK was blacked out. Um, <laughs> obviously, the UK is no longer a, um, a member state of the EU. So given Brexit, can you perhaps say a little bit more about the UK's likely relationship? This, this, all that map is showing is the membership of the same consortia. We're yeah. not a member. And actually that's, they've got more and more funding. That's become more and more important. And although Airbus in the UK will get some of the benefits and so will um, uh, Talis's operations of the UK, the UK has, has not, is not part of the consortium and that is going to be a problem for the next stage of Copernicus 
and the, the successor to GPS. Um, GPS is 10 billion and uh, Theresa May came up with 92 million for a, um, a study. Um, and as I said, if anyone knows their history, it's a bit like saying we should, um, we should start rebuilding um, post-Brexit Ford Anglias or um, building um, uh, Bristol Brabazon aircraft that never really were commercially flying, but there you go. You can see what side of the fence I sit on. But you don't hold up hold out much hope then for the UK space economy in a, in a new industrial strategy. Well, I do it. I do in Scotland, but I think the reason for that is is because we're likely to have we have no deal. We'll have an independent Scotland, and actually, you, if you look at um, the arrangements for so Bombardier um, was taken over its aircraft production in Belfast was taken over by Airbus to produce the A2 A200 series, which is the most advanced avionics of uh, small uh, regional aircraft. Uh, and at Queen's, you've got a very good um, space science centre. So I could see that Scotland and um, the whole of Ireland, the whole of Ireland economy, developing a space strategy. Um, Wales, I think, may suffer because of they build the wings um, in North Wales uh, for the for Airbus aircraft, and some of those. And, and I just wonder whether it's it's worth those kind of activities. But we shall see. I mean, we shall see because um, I never try and colonise the future and. Uh, but at the moment, there's a real danger for damaging what is becoming an increasingly important industry and its linkages to um, automotive and electric vehicles and the hygiene economy, as well as electric planes and actually making a significant difference to uh, achieving carbon targets by well, early in 2050. Well, on that theme, Les, we've got an interesting question from, from Dr. Felicia Fay from, from Bath. Um, given the UK's weakening links with both the EC um, and ESA is no longer a member of the EU, do you think this will threaten the UK's ability to become a leader in industries that will apply artificial intelligence, medical technologies, new materials, etc.? And if so, will we be able to keep up if we align more closely with the United States? Well, that, again, um, was... Um yeah, I mean, two things. One is I think there's also, um, there is a strong tradition of innovation, scientific endeavor in the UK. What we're not good at is delivering it. So if you think about the linear motor, um, Maithwaite, the first jet plane, the Viscount, uh, not the Viscount, the Comet, and so on. So I think there'd be small companies but they, the difficulties for them is like the ESM consortium, the ISS, if they get excluded for contracts, they may have to go elsewhere. The, it really also depends on the outcome of the election because Trump doesn't seem to know that the ISS has a barter system because it's illegal for, the, for NASA to pay for oil's Russian rockets to launch um, satellites for them. So there's a barter system and it works very well. And it's, 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 it's uh, cooperation between the space agencies. So um, you could see a migration. I think the issue is it won't st stop artificial intelligence, but it's scaling it up and um, going global. And again, what you could find is that um, those people go to work in places like India, um, well, the, the rest of the EU, but India, China, um, and other countries with ambitions for um, its space industry. And again, in, India's and China, as we know, are quite advanced in terms of ICT. So it'd be the uncertainty. So we've 
uh, cat again who wants attention but um, it's wait and see but I, th I think there will be s some significant short-term challenges and we will see in the medium term um, the degree to which uh, cooperation can occur, joint ventures, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, it's a bit like the Erasmus funding um, and uh, you know, you know, shared funding for science, of which the UK has got serious benefits from EU funding. But I'm not, I'm not optimistic at this stage. Okay, another, another question just come in from, again, from Yotney. Um, what is your expectations of the Horizon Europe Cluster 4 and the section, if you're aware of it, the foster competitiveness of space systems starting next year? Well, I don't know much about detail, but when people start saying foster competitiveness, they don't normally know what they mean by competitiveness. Um, but I, 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 I mean, it's a bit, look, you can have, you can foster competitiveness, international competitiveness, between firms to bid for certain th certain things because you you want to create value added uh, and you create opportunities, but as we've seen in aerospace and particularly uh, aeronautics, you need complex cross border supply chains. So, for example, although you've you know the International Aero Engine Company is a consortia between four of the biggest engine producers in the world because you. You know, it's just too expensive for single companies to build stuff. So I think you'll look, you know, um, some of the competitive agenda is um, a means of drawing a veil, disguising some mon monopolistic behavior. And SpaceX is a classic example. Okay. Um, I think that is pretty much all the questions, unless anybody's got any final questions or queries. Um, as I said, um, these slides will be made available afterwards, and, the, and the, the video of this session will be put online, and you'll all be emailed a link of the, to, the, to the video and the slides. I just want to thank uh, you, Professor Bud, um, for today's um, seminar, or webinar, as, it, as it's called. And to all of you at home for joining us today, um, it, this will be available. Um, thank you again for joining this event. And we hope to see you all again online at future IPR or um, Seagrass events again soon. So thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank Thanks, Phil. Thanks, Sophie.